Well, Chantal Deloge has been a friend of the Drew Marshall shows for nigh on 15 years. Wow. Did I say that right? Nigh on? I don't think I've ever said that before. Nigh on. I... You're a drama teacher. You should know that. Nigh on. It's not like it's two it's words. Neon. It's two words, though. Yeah. You made it like one. <laughs> Shut like up. Like Bennett Law Firm. <laughs> like we had that comma missing earlier. <laughs> anyway, Chantel is a founder and senior partner of Deloge Law Group, specialist in citizenship, immigration, and refugee law. And she's back in the studio with all of her notes. <laughs> Meaning none. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting. Both you and uh, and even Don Bennett, when Don Bennett is here, our family lawyer, our divorce lawyer, no notes, don't need any stinking notes. I mean, that should be the point. That's the whole point of being a lawyer is you should know your stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, when you devote your whole life to a certain field, you get to know it inside and out, and you don't really need notes anymore. Yeah, yeah. Can I just start uh, this awkward interview off by saying something awkward? Sure. It, I would expect it. One or... <laughs> one, one After or, 15 years of being... Yeah. One or both of the interns here said nice stuff about you. One said you're pretty, and one said you have amazing eyes. Oh, thank Am you. Am I lying? <laughs> Who said that? One of you said that. Oh, really? Now you're just throwing me under the bus. Oh, Thanks, girls. It was both me and Alex. Yeah? yeah. And I, I, said, I, I was the one that said you were very pretty. Oh, thank you. That's sweet. If you want to return the compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, if you want to return the compliment, I wouldn't mind. I can't see you over all this equipment. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay. Have things changed in the world of immigration now that Prince Eric from Little Mermaid is our prime minister? Uh. <laughs> Yes, his royal hairness has made a lot of his changes. Royal <laughs> um, yeah, it, it so much has changed. I mean, just a couple of days ago, we have a brand new citizenship law, which basically reversed a lot of the changes that had been made by the previous government, made it a lot easier for people to apply for citizenship. And uh, this just happened on the 11th, so things changing every single day. The method of selection for new immigrants uh, who are coming on a professional basis has also changed a significant amount. Uh, people are being selected based on um, very young age, very high level of English or French, highly educated people, top premium on uh, Canadian experience, whether work or education. What do you mean? Can they, so they've already hung out in Canada, they've gone back to wherever they live, and they've had a Canadian experience, and they apply and they go, yeah, you've had a Canadian experience, come on over. Yeah, so typically what happens is people come over, say, to do a degree. Maybe they go to York University or something like that. After they graduate, they get a work permit to allow them to work for a few years. Mm -hmm. And once they have a little bit of Canadian experience, even while they're still here, they can apply for immigration. It becomes much easier for them. Okay, but I just read an article. I think it was HuffPost. I'm not sure, which means it could be anywhere because they're an aggregate. But my point is that the article said that the majority of people who are coming from other countries to get education here are then taking that education and going back to their country with it. True story? Yeah, so part of the problem with this new selection system is that it puts a premium on a lot of years of uh, experience. So people who are fresh graduates, unless they have a couple of years of work experience under their belt, it makes them a little bit less competitive in our selection system. So if they're, if they're, you know, if they're quite young and they have a good education, all of those things are good, but they have to have at least a year of professional experience as well before they can apply. Right, right. Um, what are the issues within the industry that you come up against all the time? And you have to sort of say to people, yeah, but that's not me. Yeah, but that's not Deloge Law Group. 
Right. Well, unfortunately, our field uh, sometimes attracts people who uh, are a little bit unscrupulous. Nefarious, maybe? Yeah, sometimes. Uh, so they're, they're usually not lawyers, but occasionally uh, they are. Uh, most, most of them uh, doing this kind of thing are unlicensed people who, uh, a lot of people from other countries, they don't understand the difference, right? Somebody goes around calling themselves a lawyer or someone saying that they have the proper experience. Uh, they often don't know how to check. Right. And so they trust these people and they prey on their vulnerability knowing that they don't know anything about our Canadian system and knowing that they're very unlikely to file a complaint or a lawsuit against yeah, them. Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, you've got – it's kind of like when I, when I go through customs. Uh, for some reason, I get picked on. It's not funny. Don't, why are you laughing at me? I get picked on when I go through customs. And I want to – I want to push back and go, you're an idiot. You're just someone who tried to be a cop and couldn't make it, and now you're trying to be a cop here. But you know what? It doesn't help my case when I do that because probably. they have all the power. <laughs> probably a bad idea. It's a bad idea, <laughs> especially because I'm allergic to latex. You know what I mean? <laughs> a lot of people don't realize that when you're at the border, uh, your rights actually are a lot less than once you've actually been allowed into the country. So, uh, for example, when you're at the border, uh, you don't have the right uh, to uh, you know, not be searched. Uh, they can search you. They can go through all your stuff. They can look in your cell phone. They can open up I thought your you had emails. To have a, well, maybe that's a, for law enforcement in the country. They have to have a search warrant to go if it's locked with a password. If it's no password, they can go in, but you have to have a password. Did right. I get that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. But, but it, at the border. If you're at the border, yeah. they can just go in. And, and a lot of people don't even have a password on their phone, right? Or they don't, you know, think to make an objection when somebody goes to look in their in their things. But Can they, you object? Uh, well, y- your right to do that is very limited. Uh, and there, the law is unsettled in that area. There has been a little bit of litigation on it, but nobody's taken it up to a higher court yet. So it's still unsettled. And if they take your phone and they seize it, they you know can look through everything. And you know, I saw an example of a guy not that long ago who had just been uh, in the states and he was going around with a relative uh, who was working, and they took some just some funny pictures of him with a construction hat on. And then oh, they he, said you were working. They thought he was working illegally, right? Because they looked in his phone. So it can be risky. And I would just say, even for Canadian people, you got to be really careful when you're traveling uh, to make sure you don't have anything on your phone that you don't want anyone else to see. And it's not necessarily that you're doing something illegal, but anything that you don't want anyone to see. I mean, who knows what you might have on there? Now I'm thinking yeah, about what's Drew. on my phone. <laughs> Let's go through Joe's phone right now. It's radio. It won't matter. Okay. Chantel, there's someone listening right now who has a loved one that lives somewhere else that they desperately want to be here with them. And they're thinking, okay, yeah, Chantel, she's the immigration lawyer. She's the guru in this whole thing. Got to give her a call. What are your tra- uh, your first three questions that you're going to ask about this scenario? Typically, I know it's a broad question, but loved one, we live here. They live there. We want that loved one to come live with us. How do we do it? I would want to know, first of all, the person who intends to immigrate, I want to know their background and qualifications. So I need to know their education. I need to know if they speak English or French. I need to know if they have work experience. I need to know how old they are, all those kinds of things. So a, a lot of people, they, they'll send an email or they'll call and they'll say, well, what are the rules for immigration? Well, there's like <laughs> over 80 programs to be able to immigrate to Canada, and they're all different, and they look at different qualifications. So yeah. I would start with their background. Okay, so let's say uh, they're, they're grown up. Um, they're uneducated. They don't speak English, but they're, they're my cousin, 
and I want my cousin to come live with me because I love them. And, and, and my cousin's parents died, and my cousin's by himself. There's a little sympathy card like you hear on, like, American Idol shows and behind their stories and stuff, you know. <laughs> so I, I would explore that a little bit more because there, if you're Canadian and you want to bring a relative, uh, there are very limited uh, range of relatives that you can bring, and usually only immediate family, like your parents, your grandparents, your kids if they're under the age of 19, okay. uh, spouse, that kind of thing. But cousins, brothers and sisters, typically you can't. You can't sponsor them unless there's a very special situation. Mm -hmm. But I would also want to explore whether there are any compassionate factors because we do have a section of the Act that allows the government to override rules if they think there's enough humanitarian or sympathetic reasons to do so. Oh, so the sob stories work. Uh, sometimes, but keep in mind that what you're asking for is an exception to the rule. You're right. saying to the government, please bend the rules, even though my relative doesn't meet any of the criteria. We want you to allow them to come anyway. Yeah. So it's a tall ask. Okay, does this one work? Um, my third cousin is a Christian in a country where they kill Christians. Can he come here and be safe? Yeah, so possibly as a refugee. Um, the thing about refugee status that a lot of people don't understand is that, first of all, if you're still inside your own country, by definition, you can't be a refugee because part of the definition of a refugee is you have to have oh. run away from your home oh, okay. first. Okay. Uh, then you also have to be sponsored. So either sponsored through the United Nations from the Canadian government side, or you have to have a church or some kind of an organization here in Canada that's sponsoring you. Yeah. You can't just go to a Canadian embassy and say, I'm in danger and I, I need to go to Canada. That doesn't work that way. No, no. Can you share with us, obviously without too much identifying information, of a case that you worked on in the last five years where it was a feel-good ending? Like it was just, okay, this, this was awesome. Our system worked this mm -hmm. time. I can give you a perfect example that just happened a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I had a refugee hearing. Uh, the people had waited over five years to get a hearing date. Wait, in Canada they right, waited? Right. So they had, they had come, they'd had a visa initially, and when they came here, they declared a claim for refugee status, which is a different way of doing it. Than Isn't that sneaky? Uh, no, it's not, because at international law, they understand that if you go to the Canadian embassy and say, hey, I'm a refugee, can you please give me a visa? You're not going to get a visa. So they right. know that people have to do those things sometimes to save their lives. Okay. So as long as they're telling the truth at the end and they get accepted, then there's no penalty for that. Oh, okay. So they came here, they waited five years to get a hearing, which is a very long time. Uh, so we finally get the hearing date and we're prepared, like over-prepared. So we walk in. That's and so unlike you. <laughs> so we walk in with all this paperwork and everything. And the refugee board member looked at us and said, you know, um, I actually don't even think I need to ask you anything today because your lawyer's done such a great job on your paperwork that I'm already convinced. I don't even need to ask you anything. Congratulations, you're accepted. And we all left. We were there for like five minutes. So from now on, all you got to do is bring binders in with pa empty pages <laughs> that looks like you've done the work and it's good. Well, we had disclosed it a couple of oh, weeks before, okay. so they had read everything before. That's what I do with my students, to show with a binder full of stuff so they think I know what they I'm talking about. They think you know about. stuff. Yeah. I'm a good, learn to act. Um, <laughs> You're such a weirdo. We are in the studio with uh, Chantelle Deloge. She is founder and senior partner of Deloge Law Group, a specialist in citizenship, immigration, and refugee law. And uh, the website is deloge.ca. That's D-E-S-L-O-G-E-S dot -E -E C-A. At what age did you realize that you actually had a compassionate heart? Because doing what you do, I know enough about you. You don't do what you do for the money. You do what you do because you love what you do, and you are actually a fan of humanity. Which me, not so much, you know, but you are. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, I never knew that I would become an immigration lawyer. I didn't. Even, I grew up in a really small town. Uh, it was pretty white. And I didn't even know about anything called immigration law until I moved to Toronto. But from a very young age, I was interested in international human rights. Uh, when I was, I think, in grade 10 or 11, I started a chapter of Amnesty International at our high school. And we had those letter writing campaigns where we write to the governments of different countries and protest about people who had been arrested because of their religion or their political views, etc. Yeah. So I, th- I think I think that was in my heart a long time before I discovered immigration. And then eventually when that opportunity presented itself, I saw a way to spend my life helping people who really needed it. And I'm like, and I can get paid for that. That's like, wow, yeah. what a great deal. Yeah. But heartbreak along with it, too. I mean, we're yeah. talking about all these awesome stories and how the judge says yes and you know people are reuniting with families but come on Chantel you've got to be kept awake at night by stuff that didn't go well oh yeah I was just talking to someone uh, last night actually I was at a birthday party and um, I was talking to someone there uh, who had referred a client to me a number of years ago and unfortunately that case was unsuccessful and we were just commiserating about I wish there was a way that the immigration system instead of looking at all the qualifications could have a snapshot of someone's heart you know yeah. to be able to know how good this person is but you can't you can't quantify that like you can't have a system that runs that way because you can't just let in everybody who's nice. No, well, no, and the other thing is it's a um, system that is filled with people who are trying to play the system. So there's so much deception, lying, trying to do shortcuts, uh, trying to get into to Canada that they've heard it all. But he's a really nice person. Yeah, yeah, we've heard that before. Next thing you know, he's on Canada's Most Wanted or whatever, right? So Yeah, well, I mean, it, th- this, this this just came up a couple of weeks ago when we had that situation in Edmonton of the guy who'd been accepted yeah. as a refugee and had gone on. So he got kicked out of the States because of dodgy things, but we welcomed him up here. Right. Now, he, he was granted legitimate refugee status. There's no evidence that anything illegal happened there. But, I mean, the problem is you can't see inside someone to know what kind of a person they are. No. Like, they may or may not meet the rules. Yeah. But there's no way to assess those personal qualities. What do you like most about what you do? I I think because I really like people and I guess really? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know foreign concept. <laughs> Pardon the pun. Uh, <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. She's here all week, yeah. Kids. All yes. right. Yeah, so I I find that it, people who have immigration problems, they really really need someone to help them and not just somebody with skills, but somebody who will actually care about care about them and their family and really want them to succeed and, you know, stay up that extra hour at night doing that little bit of extra work that might put the case over the top. I, I imagine I imagine doctors must sometimes feel like that, you know, that you get to help people with a very real need in a very practical way. Well, Chantel's practice encompasses every possible area of Canadian citizenship, immigration and refugee law, such as business class applications, skilled workers, as opposed to tools. Thanks, Drew. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Family sponsorships, work and study permits, refugee cases, citizenship applications, plus appeals and judicial reviews of refused cases. I would imagine that would get you going because you're like, oh, it's already been refused? I want that one. I want (laughs) to get my hands on that one. Yeah, well, it's interesting because a lot of immigration decisions, because people by definition are usually outside the country applying for things, they never actually get challenged. So sometimes the decision making is a little bit sloppy. Hmm. And I say sometimes, like overall, it's pretty good quality. But sometimes you see refusals that are just like, that doesn't make any sense. If we take that to court, we're going to win that in five minutes. 
But so many people lose faith and they don't challenge those things, so they get away with it. Um, I expected you to walk in here with a little uh, um, bit of jewelry on your lapel, the Queen's Diamond Jubilee Medal. Is, yeah. that a, is that a hang around the necky thing? <laughs> no, it's like a, a little. It's a brooch. It's a little ribbon, like a short ribbon with a metal on the end of it that you pin onto your exactly on your lapel. When do you wear that? Well, you're supposed to wear it for official functions, like things like if you get invited to Parliament, for example. Has that or, ever happened, Chantel Deloge? Yeah, many times actually. <laughs> But you know what? I did something really stupid with my medal. I, I was so proud of it that I wanted it to uh, be in a frame with a certificate. And when I sent it to the framing shop, they, they sealed the back of it. So I can't take it. it. It's hanging on my wall. Don't! Walk around with the picture frame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be yeah. like a rap hey, artist with like a big load. chain. Yeah. So do the big chain like the yeah. clock. Like what's oh. that? Flavor Flav. What? What? Flavor Flav. Did I get that right, kids? Yeah, you yep. did. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, okay. I want to talk about your book. Canadian Immigration and Refugee Law, a Practitioner's Handbook. So if it's a practitioner's handbook, this ain't for the average schmo. Well, it actually is written in a simple enough way that anyone can understand it. And that's really what we had in mind when we wrote it. Anyone? It's Yeah, pretty Look much anyone. Even Look Drew. Even Drew. <laughs> well, you have to be able to read first, oh, right? Not the pictures. <laughs> this is yeah, a so picture of the border. <laughs> <laughs> the publisher wanted to market it more towards uh, other lawyers or immigration consultants or professional people. But plain language writing is really important to me. Yeah. And I think that when you write something, you don't write it in such a way that nobody can actually understand it except for another lawyer. So I have, I even have clients who bought the book just because they're interested in the immigration process or social workers working with you know, the newcomers who might from time to time just need one little piece of information. Uh, Chantel is a regular immigration commentator on CTV Power Play and has been interviewed by both national and local television stations such as CBC, CTV News, uh, W5, Canada AM, Global News, CP24. And uh, Chantel has also been interviewed and quoted in national and local newspapers such as Toronto Star, Toronto Sun, Globe Mail, National Post, Auto Citizen, blah, blah, blah. I think the reason I brought that up is because you actually are able to dumb things down. I know that what you know is amazing. You know a lot, and you don't live in this in this verbal fancy world. That's why every time you've been on our show, you're actually interesting to listen to, <laughs> uh, as opposed to getting all sort of fancy with your words. You can you just make it real. So I, you keep it a real, sister. <laughs> well, I, I really believe in, in communicating things to people on a simple level. Like yeah. this stuff doesn't have, it, you know, legally it is complicated, but it doesn't have to be complicated when you're communicating with, say, a client or in, anyone else, the general public. Right. I mean, people, they they zone out pretty quickly when you start giving them legalese. So are, are you more expensive than a uh, uh, an immigration person we might find in the back of the newspaper or on a poster on the in the bar area? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's where I do. Sitting in the urinal. Oh, I do need an immigration lawyer. <laughs> um, yes and no. So it, it depends. I mean, there are a lot of people. You would be really surprised how some people who are very, very unqualified will not hesitate to charge a huge amount of a fee to do something that they're not even qualified to do. A lot of people think that lawyers are expensive. Immigration lawyers are actually not that expensive. And when you compare it against the possibility of making a mistake and having to start yeah. all over again, yeah. I mean... Well, and the other thing is you guys actually know what you're doing, which means there's an expediency to what you do, which means it's not going to take as long. So you get, uh, you know, Joe, immigration lawyer guy, couldn't come up with anything else, <laughs> who charges, I don't know, whatever, and then you charge maybe a little bit more. Well, he's going to take 27 hours to get done what you 
you guys can do in a sh- way shorter time. Like the math yeah. makes sense there anyway, as far as I'm concerned. Exactly. And, and this and- is the kind of thing when, I'm sorry, but this is the kind of thing that actually flipping matters. So why would you trust some schmo? Yeah, or or try to do it yourself. That's the other thing. It's like, you know, there's a lot of things in life where you should try to cut corners and save a bit of money. This sure. probably isn't one of them. No. Like, <laughs> you like can, you, most people can cut their own toenails. No. <laughs> I left no. that one right out yep. there for you, Timmy. Thanks, buddy. So, you know, when you're trying to you're trying to do stuff your own, get to, get the Manny Petties done, you can do it yourself. I'll get Chantel to come over. And yeah, Chantel, do you do Manny Petties? <laughs> Listen, the real question, the real reason you're here today is because I want to know, what was the last country music festival you, you've been to or country oh. concert you've been to? I actually, I, I usually go every year to Nashville for mm. Country Music Association Festival, but this year I had to miss it because oh. there was a big uh, lawyers conference, which, you know, it was fun, but it wasn't as fun as Nashville. Did you wear your medal? Yes. Yeah, no. Did you walk around with your... <laughs> hey, come <with> medal. <laughs> Queen of obnoxious. <laughs> you should have heard the country girl we had in here today oh, yeah. perform. So good. Oh, so good. Danny Strong, check oh, her out. Yeah. Sorry, I missed yeah, that. Quite, quite a good singer. Uh, Chantel... Again, for our listeners who are like, I, I do know somebody and, and they're trying to get into Canada. And, you know, there's so many different scenarios and situations out there that I can't paint them in front of you right now to, to sort of set up this question. So what would you say to our listeners just as a broad a piece of advice? We've talked about, you know, get someone that knows what they're doing. It's not worth the risk. And we've talked about your qualifications. They're all over the place. You've been a great partner with our show for quite a while. So people know your name, and, and uh, they've just been listening to you, so they, they should know that you know what you're talking about. I mean, what's the deal clincher? How do you get people to actually trust you to just breathe and walk in your door and just relax and lean into this? We got you. What do you say to people? Well, we start out every case with a basic consultation. So we would uh, hear all the facts about the case and be able to assess it and let the person know from the beginning whether there's a chance or not. Is, is there a standard fee for consultation? Yeah, it's $300. That's like every lawyer. Okay, that's it normal. It usually takes like between 30 to 60 minutes, yep. depending on how complicated it is. Yep. But it, it's it's cheap insurance because uh, you want somebody who's going to be able to take the time to actually listen to the whole thing so that there's nothing, no little piece yeah. that, you yeah. know, might tank the case. Oh, I forgot to tell you, he's a drug runner. Yeah, you know. exactly. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I'm very, we're very straightforward with people, not only me, but I don't hire anyone on my team who isn't honest. So we'll just tell people if there's no chance, there's just no chance. Yeah. And that's all there is to it. I mean, we're, we're in a, a good position that we don't need to, you know, Blow sunshine you're, you're, on people, no. like for <laughs> is that how we're calling it? <laughs> Here's a little sunshine. Uh, no, you are. You guys are at finally, not finally, but you're at a position where you don't need cases that aren't going to work. You don't need those people's money. Yeah, and we've got a really good reputation with the government as well. So you do actually. Th- they know that we don't try to pull the wool over their eyes or anything like that. It's yes. Those big binders. Yes. Yeah, oh, here comes the girl with the binder. <laughs> girl with the binder. Her metal in a frame. <laughs> we, well, I want a picture of you with that. Piece. Metal in the frame and a big couple of binders. Can, we, can you send that to me? That'll be your promo shot. Deloge.ca. That's who we've been chatting with. Chantel Deloge. So good to have her in studio. She's not leaving. She's going to stay with us for our pub crawl, uh, which is where we crack open a few topics. There's only w- really one topic today. We've got uh, Chantel here, who's the immigration expert. We are going to be joining by Greg Paul, who's a like kind of a guru in the world of homelessness in Toronto, and then Natalie Evans. Uh, she is a PhD in philosophy, a professor of media studies at University of Guelph Humber, but she's also a fellow at Oxford Center for Animal Ethics. So here's the question: 
Should people of faith stop eating meat, advocate for open borders, and invite street people to live in their homes? Is there such a thing as caring too much? Like, what's the balance in this, you know, caring about stuff? Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the Drew Marshall Show. That's it, yeah. All right, uh, short break, and when we come back, it's the pub crawl on the Drew Marshall Show. Stay with us.